0: We are less than two weeks away from the NHL trade deadline and we're going to go over a couple Canadian teams on what they're going to be doing at the deadline. One team we're going to rank importance of position. The other team might be actually flip-flopping and the other team, who knows if they're even going to do this. And then we go into some hypotheticals and some trades that whether or not I think they could potentially get done and why I think they maybe won't get done. All that and more episode one, two, three. Yes, 123, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. March the 8th, a Tuesday edition of Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kogumar, your host as always. Follow me along on the podcast on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can like it. You can share it all over your socials as well. Latest article on the hockey writers for the Vancouver Canucks actually just dropped yesterday. Uh, talking about the fact that Vancouver doesn't has necessarily have to make a big splash in free agency. And with every day that goes by... It seems like the narrative could be flipped for them, and we'll actually discuss that a little bit more here in the show. Like I said, we're going to talk over three teams here on the podcast. We're going to start with the Leafs, Canucks, and Oilers. One team needs to address a position in terms of importance, and I'm going to rank the one, two, three. The Canucks are only a couple points out of a playoff spot. Are they sellers anymore? Should they be buying? Are they on a roll? They actually might have all the pieces in place to make the playoffs and potentially surprise. And then the Edmonton Oilers and their issues. And I'm going to talk their coaching staff, McDavid and Dreisaitl and more. And then the score released hypothetical trades and who says no version of it. I'm going to go over all the trades and I want to see who would say no, why I think it could and why I don't think it can necessarily happen. So let's kick it off and let's start with this. So the Toronto Maple Leafs, they played tonight against Seattle. They won last night, uh, a close one, 5-4 over the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Leafs are at a point now where it's blatantly obvious what their issues are and what their holes are. And it's been reported. It's been said they're going to be active. They are looking at potentially adding a top six forward at adding a top four defenseman, possibly a goaltender. Though Kyle Dubas came out and said that he thinks both guys are going to be fine moving forward. And the fact of the matter is, one, Toronto barely has assets to make a move for one. Of those three positions, let alone two in all three. So, what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna rank which position I think is the most important position to add at the deadline for the Leafs and Dubis and why. Right? Either are there forwards, defensemen, or goaltending? I'm gonna I'm gonna rank one is the most important, two is like pretty important, and three is the least important. And I believe also that goes into it. The actuality of these things actually coming to fruition. The number one priority for Toronto is adding a top four defender. Hands down the number one most important thing. They can score goals already. They don't need another goal score. They've got youngsters and Nick Robertson who can come out and give a jolt to the second line. They have scores. Why a defenseman is the number one hands down most important part. One, you finally find a, a defenseman, preferably right handed or a guy who plays left handed who can play the right side, to partner finally with Morgan Riley. They have been experimenting everybody with him. They tried Justin Hall last year. It was TJ Brody for a lot of this year, but Brody's now down playing with Justin Hall. So then it was Timothy Lilligren. Then it was Ilya Labushkin, who they just acquired, who's been great so far. It's going to make life easier on Morgan Riley, on the rest of the lineup. But most importantly, from the crease out, here's why you add. I'm going to throw Josh Manson, right? Big, physical right hand shooting puck defense. That's like the ideal player who one shoots right, makes enough money for Toronto to be able to take on the cap hit, can play top four minutes with Morgan Riley, a puck moving defenseman. He's nasty. He's gritty. It's going to make life easier on the goaltending. There's the video going around viral right now of Ilya Labushkin clearing out the front of the net and everyone's saying, this is how you do it because Toronto is notably a little soft in front of their goaltending. Number two, two of the the four goals that went in yesterday on Toronto were either deflected or through traffic and a screen. Clearing out the front of the net allows goaltending to be able to see the puck. Their goaltending gets better. Now you don't really think so hard about adding a goaltender. Three, you can handle... The play in your end a little bit better, you can transition the puck to your forwards a lot easier, which allows you to spend more time in the offensive zone and neutral zones, ergo spending less time in your end, giving up less goals, chances, opportunities, you name it. You add a defenseman, it automatically increases your goaltending statistics because you're getting better up front in front of your goaltender, which makes things easier on him. You're creating more turnovers, you're being more physical, you're getting the puck more, you're giving it to your forwards, they're getting more opportunities to go down and score. It just, it facilitates so well, getting a top four defender, and actually, and by the way, I just looked to, I didn't realize Jacob Chikrin had three years left on his deal at $4.7 million, empty the tank for him, empty the tank, throw in that defensive prospect Niemela, a first haul, go get Chikrin. Go do it. You can afford the cap hit. You move a little bit of cap to get him. Who cares if you give up a first in your prospect form? That's a defenseman locked in for three more years at a very reasonable cap hit at $4.7 million. And he's 23 and will turn 24. The dude's not even in his friggin' prime yet. Whatever team, not just Toronto, Edmonton, go empty the tank for Jacob Chikorin. Go empty the tank for this guy. Position number two, I think, is the second most important. Top six impact forward. J.T. Miller. Guy like, uh, you know, Brandon Brandon Hagel's been talked about. He's got 17 goals this season. Ricard Raquel. The more you have the puck offensively, the less time you spend in your own end. It takes pressure off your defense. It takes pressure off your goaltending. It makes life a hell of a whole lot easier for virtually everybody. And you add another weapon to an already very versatile and lethal unit. Preferably someone to play with John Tavares to really give a spark and cement. That second line is like a pretty dominant second line. They're having some nights where they're having, you know, shifts on shifts off. They're trying Kerfoot. They're trying Robertson. You know, they are really trying to figure out who cements with that line, but the, but the fact of the matter is you're not taking anyone off that first line. There was a stat. Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner have 40 combined points in their last seven games. You're not taking anyone off that line. That line is an absolute unit right now. But again, when you add that top six impact forward, and let's say you, you if it's a JT Miller, and in return you're sending in an Alexander Kerfoot, a first-round pick, they want Niemela or something. Miller's got an extra year left on his deal, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe you try and squeeze out Niemela and you give him, like, a a Ty Voigt or uh, Mira Hervinen, right? A big, strong center. That might sway him a little bit. Or, you know, apparently they're open to sending Connor Garland or Brock Besser, and Besser's looking for an extension around, like, that $7 million frame, which is a lot of money, and I don't think Toronto's going to go after him. But Connor Garland, 45 point. $4.95 million for the next four years. I know he's small, but that dude is an absolute bat out of hell. You want it to, it's basic, he's basically a more expensive but more experienced and more established goal scoring, Michael Bunting. That's he's a bat out of hell. He's a perfect player for the playoffs. If it's Kerfoot, a first, or Kerfoot, a second, and Voight for him. Beautiful. But anyways. It solidifies your second line. You spend more time in the offensive zone, which means less time in the defensive zone, which makes your defense better. Less time in the defensive zone means less scoring chances and shots on goal. Ergo makes your goaltending better. It's a ripple effect that that's what happens. It's it's just, it's the way things happen. And then number three, goaltending. Yes, it's safe to say Toronto's goaltending has been abysmal since basically Christmas. And, You can put some of the blame on the forwards. You can put some of the blame on the defensive groups not clearing up the front of the net and deflecting a lot of pucks. I've seen two straight games where a defenseman is flying by and the puck hits off them and goes in the net. And you just see the goaltender be like, get out of the way. Let me see it. Which is all you want, by the way, as a goaltender. The pucks at the point. The pucks on the boards. Get out of the way. Move. Let him see it. You're an NHL goaltender. He's going to stop it. Stop trying to be a hero and half block a shot, but not really block a shot. If you're going to block a shot, block a shot. But if you're not, get out of the way. Clear the cre- crease. Let your goaltender see the puck. But, you know, goaltender. More saves. Helps your defense out. Toronto's one of the best faceoff teams in the league. You know, if those face offs are had at your end, not giving up a goal, you win a decent amount of face offs can clear the puck out. Right. It's 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 the same ripple effect. I don't think it's to the same extent, but it also gives a morale boost to your team, knowing that you've got a guy back there. who you can rely on for God forbid you give a big, big chance. Your goaltender is going to come up with a big save. I don't think they're going to go out and acquire a massive goaltender. Guys on my list, guys that I'm seeing uh, like a Mark andre Fleury is not happening. It's too much cap. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. But like a guy like Anton Forsberg, I've been seeing a lot circulate right now is 900 K. He's got a winning record with the Ottawa Senators. He's got a goal saved above average, uh, I think in the top 15 in the NHL right now. And you wouldn't have to give up a whole lot to get him. So that would be a guy, uh, Jonas Korpisalo from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Similarly, if you needed to move a guy, it could be a Peter Morazic and, you know, pick for him. That kind of solidifies both teams at that point. And then Alexander Gorgiev, who I am very high on. I would love uh on my team. I think he's a starting caliber goaltender in this league. Very similarly, if you remember the Anaheim Ducks situation about six years ago, they had Frederick Anderson. And John Gibson, right? Anaheim had two goaltenders who were potentially starters. And one of them, you know, we kind of hold one of them back. So they made a trade with Toronto. Toronto sends a first round pick and something for him. And Frederick Anderson now is like the second best save percentage in, in hockey in Carolina. But yeah. there were times where teams were cold hauling on alexander gorgiev and his value was at an all-time peak high i don't think it is anymore and there's still that potential to get you know a, a possibly starting caliber goaltender who could be a really really good player who's also an rfa and could be signed on an extension here's the other thing i think about gorgiev too 6'1 177 26 years of age The Rangers are going to be going into a little bit of cap trouble next year because of Benajad's contract kicks in a little bit. Adam Fox's contract kicks in, which is basically an extra $13 million on the cap. The Rangers aren't going to be able to resign them. They're not going to be able to tender them. And if a team throws a tender on them, it's going to be in the lower amount and the assets coming back in an RFA. The way RFA works is if a restricted for agent gets an offer from another team, the return, if the player accepts it, is solely based on the money earned. So if it's like between one and three million dollars, it's a third round pick. If it's between three and six million dollars, it's a second and third round pick. If it's, You know what I mean? Those aren't the actual numbers, but based on how much a team tenders an offer for is what the compensation back if he agrees to sign the deal is for the team that currently holds his rights. It's not going to be that high because the team's going to know that the Rangers can't match a whole lot of offers over maybe, what, $4 million? Which a team would happily do. And a team like Toronto, one could use him. B would extend him. He's 26, possibly in the prime. And again, a very similar case to Frederick Anderson and John Gibson out of Anaheim. A guy who could potentially be a starting goaltender and a pretty good one at that in front of a really good team. I don't know if that's going to happen or anything like that, but those are some of the guys that I think could have interest for them. But I don't think that's the area that they're really going to go in as well. But I think top four defenseman is the number one priority. Top six forward is the number two priority. And a goaltender is the number three priority. If it's an Alexander Gorgiev, that would kind of be the best case scenario. A depth piece like an Anton Forsberg could potentially be it as well. Or a guy like Jonas Corpus Salo, also an unrestricted free agent, I believe, as Elvis Merzlikens in Columbus is signed for the next five years after this one. So, I mean, those are, those are the areas of importance, I think, for Toronto. Because then they've got to make a decision on Jack Campbell moving forward and everything like that. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting because now there's 13 days left to the deadline. And I feel like a lot of moves are still to be made. Okay, I want to move on here to the Vancouver Canucks. And listen, before the beginning, the beginning of the season was a rough one for Vancouver. Vancouver started 8-15-2. They fired their coach, Travis Green. They got rid of their management, Jim Benning. They brought in Jim Rutherford. They brought in uh, Patrick Alvin, who's their general manager, Emil Castongi, who is, of course, their assistant general manager, and Bruce Boudreaux. And since then, Vancouver has kind of found the rhythm and players are getting utilized properly. And all of a sudden, Brock Besser's playing well and JT Miller's still doing really good and Elias Patterson's returned to form. And would you know it, Vancouver sits just four points out of a wildcard spot one behind Anaheim who they'd have to leapfrog and just two behind the Edmonton Oilers who are not in a playoff spot currently right now they're four back of Nashville and five back of the Dallas Stars they have games in hand but it's coming a lot closer to the wire than a lot of us thought there's this notion in hockey that if you're either if you're in the playoffs you're buyers and if you're not in the playoffs, you're sellers, right? And I was trying to write about this and, and and I guess the way I worded it, it didn't really want to go, but I wanted to come on here and, and talk about it, right? Because there's just this understanding that if you're not in a playoff position, oh, you're just selling all your assets. And I was trying to write a piece on the fact that, you know, you don't have to necessarily make a trade for the sake of trading. Just because you're labeled as sellers by media doesn't mean you have to sell. Vancouver's actually in a really good spot right now. Like if I'm sitting there in Vancouver right now, yes, the asking price and what the return could be for a player like JT Miller is phenomenal, right? It's a first, it's a really good prospect, and it's also a player in return, maybe more. But JT Miller also has like 64 points this season in like 50 games. He's your leading goal scorer and your leading point getter. Someone's got to fill those shoes. Now, another reason why J.T. Miller has been talked about so much is Vancouver has a pending free agent coming up in Brock Besser and that there is a tender that would be roughly seven and a half million dollars. Vancouver does not have seven and a half million dollars right now and trading J.T. Miller would make things a whole lot easier because J.T. Miller has one more year after this year on his deal at five point two million dollars. Now they're getting some cap back. Uh, You remember Roberto Luongo has like a cap restructure penalty. That's like $3.1 million. That's off the books. They've got a couple guys on LTIR who they might not have to pay moving forward. But just because you're not technically in a playoff spot, like they're four points out. And I think it's based on the narrative of where Vancouver was early in the season. And everyone just automatically assumed, okay, they're selling Miller, Garland, Besser, go. What if they didn't do that? Hear me out for a second. You've got a solid top six with guys like Elias Patterson, Besser, Miller. You've got Bo Horvat. You've got Tanner Pearson. You've also got Connor Garland. That's a solid top six. Not to mention Niels Hoglander, Jason Dickinson, who you just acquired in the offseason as your third line center. Vasily Podkolzin who's a rookie and who's going to be a really solid impact player. Defensively, Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, who I know costs a lot of money, but he's a solid right hand shot defenseman. Luke Shen's having a pretty solid year as well. Oliver Larson, who, yeah, might be a little overpaid, but he's relatively been fine for them. And then you've got a pretty good goaltender has shown signs of elite goaltending and Thatcher Demko who can win you games. He's done it before in the playoffs against Vegas. Like, we're two weeks away from the deadline. If a week from now we come back on this podcast and Vancouver is sitting in a playoff position, are they selling their players or are they actually maybe go buy? And the best part of Vancouver is they don't have to buy expensive players like they don't need to add to their top six they'd add some depth pieces some cheaper options guys like brendan hagel from from uh chicago become very intriguing a left winger who makes 1.5 million dollars for the next two seasons as a depth piece that's intriguing to them maybe a defenseman who doesn't carry a lot of cap but could fill in some some spots for them right and then their goaltending's fine it's, I'm very curious as to see what Vancouver, because right now, yes, next year, you've got to figure out the Brock Besser situation. You need cap space to do it. Now, whether that is a buyout of, I don't know, maybe you trade Miller in the offseason. I don't know. Maybe you move on from, you know, does the Tyler Myers move? I, I have no idea. Maybe a Tanner Pearson moves who makes three and a half million dollars. That would free up the space to then resign Brock Besser. Along with the $3.1 million off the cap restructure. I think they have another buyout that takes away another $1.2 million. But Vancouver's an interesting team. right? They were labeled as sellers for so long. Yet they're four points out of a playoff spot. And they've caught up in games played. If a week from now we come back. And Vancouver's in a playoff spot. Are they trading JT Miller? Bruce Boudreaux's come on a couple of times. He's like, everyone apparently is getting traded from this team, and all we're doing lately is winning. Like Vancouver's doing very well over their last, like they've been on the. They're seven and three in their last ten. They've won two straight games. Thatcher Demko's is almost at a 920 save percentage and a 2.6 goals against average. Miller is 63 points in 55 games. Quinn Hughes is 44. Penderson is 39 after starting the year very slow. You've got, what, seven players and double-digit goals. You've got depth pieces chipping in, like an Alex Chaseon, Alex Chaseon. sorry, Matthew Highmore. They're still playing Travis Hammonick, who's on the books right now, who's probably not going to be on the books next year. That helps out with a lot of your cap situation, because he makes $3 million. It, it's not as dire as I think people think that they have to trade JT Miller in order to re-sign Brock. Also, JT Miller right now is a better player than Brock Besser. Brock Besser is younger and has potential to still grow, but he's only 3 years younger than JT Miller. JT Miller's 28, Besser's 25. Besser right now still needs 3 goals to hit the 4 goals to hit 20. Miller's at 22. And Miller basically since you got him, has been a point-per-game player. After this season, over the last three years, he will average out to a point-per-game player. Who has makes $5.2 million next year. Why would you move him? I wrote a piece on this. I'm like, they shouldn't just trade Miller. Because teams want him. Like, if teams called Edmonton about Connor McDavid. Because Edmonton right now is not in a playoff spot. Is Edmonton like, I, I guess we gotta trade him. No, now that's a very large discrepancy there. And I'm reaching a little bit and exaggerating. But like, let me just go through like Winnipeg right now. Winnipeg is not in the playoff spot. They, they're they probably not going to make the playoffs. Are they just shipping off Kyle Connor, who has 33 goals this season? Are they just going to trade away Mark Shifley? Are they just going to give away Connor Hellbuck? Yeah, we're not in a playoff spot this year. Let's just trade him. No, that's not how it works. You don't have to trade players if you don't want to. And for Vancouver's sake, they probably shouldn't. They don't need to. They're four points out of a playoff spot. Your team's playing well. They're gelling well. The coaching staff is well. Your goaltending's coming along. Defensively, you're tightening up and you're getting scoring from different people. If a week from now we come back on this show and Vancouver's in a playoff spot, they're not trading anybody. They actually might, in fact, be buying players because the team wants JT Miller going to trade JT Miller. I don't know. I've I've been thinking this for the last like month and a bit, and I've just seen Vancouver climb and climb and climb, and I cover them. So I follow them a little bit more. Another four points out of a playoff spot. They're playing good hockey, seven and three in their last 10, and JT Miller has 63 points this season. And he's got one more year at $5.2 million, which is extremely reasonable. Why would you move him? To make cap room for Brock Besser, who's not doing as well? Because you're not technically in a playoff spot? I don't know. It's just my thinking. We'll see what happens in a week from now. Final team I really want to get into here is the Edmonton Oilers. And the Oilers right now, as crazy as it sounds, with Connor McDavid, with Leon Draisaitl, with two of the apparently top five players on planet Earth. Are two points behind the Nashville Predators and Dallas Stars and have played two more games than them. Now, you're going to sit here and you're gonna listen but Kyle, you're being way more critical on Edmonton than you are in Vancouver. Yeah, because Vancouver wasn't supposed to be good this year. They weren't supposed to be competing for a playoff spot. A lot of people didn't think they were going to be competing for a playoff spot. The Edmonton Oilers, everyone thought, would be competing for a playoff spot. Everyone thought the Edmonton Oilers would be doing a lot better this season because they've got two of the top five best players on the planet. A lot of people think the consensus is the best player in the world. I've been saying this all year long. The Oilers are not winning without addressing their goaltending and their defense. Now, it sounds similar to Toronto, but Toronto at one point... Had Jack Campbell, who was an all-star this season. Toronto has Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. And when he was healthy, Jake Muzzin. There are pieces there. They just need to add a couple more. And yes, Edmonton has Darnell Nurse. And they have rookie Evan Bouchard. And they traded for Duncan Keith. They also traded away Ethan Bear. They also didn't fill the gap... That was left by Adam Larson. They tried to do that by signing Cody CeCe to more money than he's worth. They also brought back Tyson Berry, who, surprise, surprise, is not having as good of a season this year and is very flawed defensively. Shocker that outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl, even though they signed Zach Hyman in the offseason, their point totals go 79-79-37-37. Evan Bouchard, a defenseman, is 5th on your team in points with 29. He has more points than Darnell Nurse and Tyson Barry. He has more points than Yessi Poo This is the other stat, by the way, that I really noticed. Of Connor Mc, or sorry, of Leon Drysitals. We'll start with him. Leon Drysitals having a great year. Thirty-eight goals, forty-one assists. He's doing his thing. Of his seventy-nine points, I've addressed this before on the podcast. Thirty-one have come on the power play. That's almost fifty percent. That's forty percent of your points have to come when you have a man advantage. Connor McDavid. 79 points, 31 have come with the man advantage. Here's even worse, Ryan Nugent Nugent Hopkins, who's hurt right now, 37 points this season, 30 of them are assists, 16 of them are on the power play. If you take away, and I know this is an element of the game, I get that, but if you take away Ryan Nugent Hopkins of, of his 37 points, you take 16 away. He has 21 even strength points. A lot of people throw the comparisons out to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And their offensive players. Austin Matthews this season. Of his 72 points. 22 have been on the power play. That's less than a third. He's scoring goals at even strength. Mitch Marner. 60 points this season. 14 have come on the power play. 75% of his points have either come at 5-on-5 or shorthanded. Edmonton's best players, 40% of their offensive production has to come with the man advantage. Which means they lean on their power play to propel them. You know what they can't afford to lean on in the playoffs? Their power play. You want to know why? Because penalties don't get called as much. And it's more intense. And goaltending is now a bigger spotlight on it. And defensive woes are more on display. I have said this from day one of the regular season. Edmonton is not going anywhere with Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith and Nett... Your best defenseman, who I like. I like Darnell Nurse, but he has taken a significant step back this season and makes over $9 million. One, he's not your top producing defenseman. And number two, he hasn't hasn't been last year's version. And that has plagued the Oilers. Probably because Adam Larson was pretty solid defensively. But Darnell Nurse plays 26 minutes a night. He hits a lot. Again, I like Darnell Nurse. But that's him and Bouchard are really your only two pieces. I don't think anyone's loving Duncan Keith. Who has been... As as much as you want to say, Duncan Keith's kind of been a shell of his former self. He's still playing 20 minutes a night at 38 years of age. It's tough. And Cody Cece is... Well, Cody Cece... I, it, the reason why people are more critical on them and similarly critical to the Leafs, you got one of the best goal scorers on the planet, you were expected to do well in the playoffs. They have not done well in the playoffs for a long time, but at least they're in. Edmonton's not in right now. And if the season ended today, the Edmonton Oilers, with arguably the best player on the planet, and I think so too, and another player who's probably in the top five best players on the planet, are not in the playoffs. And I'm not saying it's their fault. But I'm saying going into the offseason. Ken Holland. Needed to address. Two things. They needed an upgraded net. And they needed probably just some more defensive defensemen. They re-signed both goaltending options. Traded away. A young up and coming right hand shot defenseman. in Ethan Baer. Lost Adam Larson. And replaced them with Duncan Keith taking on all of his cap hit at five and a half million dollars and signing Cody CeCe, who has been known to not be great defensively. Like, why are we surprised? The start of the season happened and Edmonton got off to this hot start. And everyone's like, oh, Kyle, look at Edmonton go. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. Haven't heard a peep since. Not hearing a peep anymore. And then if Edmonton climbs back in, then I'll hear, oh, see, they were fine. And... Yeah, I, I just I'm not confident with Mike Smith as your starting goaltender a playoff series. I'm not I'm just not. And, you know, when Edmonton made their coaching change to, to Jay Woodcroft, it was a good change. Gave the team a little bit of a morale boost, a little bit of an uh, adrenaline jump. It's kind of faded back down since. So we'll see what this team has to. Let's see if they do anything in the in the trade deadline. But holy smokes. If they miss the playoffs with McDavid and Dreisaitl, (laughs) it's going to be a frenzy over there in Edmonton. All right, let's move on to hypotheticals. So the score.com, they released five hypothetical deals between teams that possibly could say yes, possibly could say no, if it's a good deal or bad deal. This uh, was done from five of the NHL news editors from the score. Kayla Douglas, Josh Goldsmith, Brandon Marin, Sean O'Leary. And Josh Wegman, the gentleman who wrote the piece. So I'll go through each trade. I'll tell you who says yes, who says no. I will tell you if I actually think it's a legitimate deal that could happen or something that I would change for it. The first one here is between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes. Yes, it would be the third trade between these two teams this season. The Toronto Maple Leafs receive Jacob Chikrin and Phil Kessel at 50% retained. And in return, Arizona receives a 2022 first round pick. Justin Hall, Nick Robertson, and Alexander Kerfoot. Again, this is not a trade I came up with. It's not a trade I think could happen. Are, they are hypothetical trades that were posted on the Score.com. First of all, I think that this is this has the parameters to be a deal that could work. Toronto is looking for that top four defenseman. With term, Jacob Chikorin is it. I don't think Phil Kessel's involved in this deal at all, though I understand that Toronto's looking for a top six forward and a defenseman, so I understand both players being involved in this trade. But I don't think Kessel's the player that they're really looking for. I think they're more looking for a JT Miller, Raquel Hagel, that kind of player. I think the return is fair. I think the first round pick, a defenseman in Justin Hall, Robertson and Kerfoot, I would switch Robertson with Engvall. I would try to switch Robertson with Engvall or I would switch Robertson with another prospect like a Ty Voigt or a Miro Hervinen. But I actually see the parameters here. I like in at Toronto. He's 23, $4.6 million left at three more years. The deal that fits the structure, Hall and Kerfoot have term on their contracts which Arizona likes and they can keep them and then they can trade them for more assets if they would like to. Robertson's a promising prospect. Again, I would switch him with either Voight or Hervonen. for the sake of the trade. We'll leave the Kessel part in for fun. Why could work? Kessel comes up, plays in your top six. You can move Nylander over to the left wing, right? Kessel goes on the right wing with Tavares. That kind of clears that up. He's an offensive guy. Good finishing guy. Has won Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. A, re- a return to Toronto would be a lot of fun. I can see the parameters of this deal working. Now this one's kind of split on good deal. The Leafs saying no and the Coyotes saying no. It's kind of all over the place. I I think if you take out the if you take out the Phil Kessel part of it and it's just Jacob Chikrin and instead you send a first Justin Hall and either a Topi Niemela or a Robertson or a Voigt and you keep Kerfoot, I think that's a possibility. Apparently, Arizona wants like a Jack Eichel-type return, which, again, Jack Eichel received a good, like a, a pick, a prospect, and a player, and they got, what, a first Alex Tuck and and a prospect at that point. I think those parameters I can see working, like a first, Hall, and a Robertson or a Voigt, but... I don't think the castle part's gonna be on it, but at the end of the day, that's a deal that could very well happen and get done. Second deal involves the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks. Now, again, I know we talked about Vancouver earlier, but again, hypotheticals. The Pittsburgh Penguins received JT Miller. The Vancouver Canucks received a 2022 first and fourth round picks. Casper Kapanen and Pierre Oliver Joseph. Two of the four think it's a good deal. Two teams think the Canucks would not make a deal like that, which is crazy. I think that it's a great move for Pittsburgh. They have done this before in the past. They have given up assets and futures to address instant needs. James Neal, Patrick Hornquist. They've made those moves before. Chris Kunitz. Kapanen's been good for them, but Kapanen, I feel, has struggled a little bit. But his cap is like okay. I think it's like at 3.2 million dollars. You know, Kapanen then goes to Vancouver, can fit in their top six, maybe top nine. You get a first-round pick, an extra one. You get cap space, you can resign Besser. You still get a roster player who can compete. Things move forward. Joseph, who's a 2017 first-round pick defenseman, um, you know, a guy who's moved around a couple teams from Arizona now to Pittsburgh. And, you know, you get that first round pick, like I said. So the deal kind of works for both sides. I don't know if Pittsburgh could be it. I understand the Jim Rutherford connection, which is why a lot of people are linking J T. Miller to Pittsburgh. But I feel like, and again, if he goes to a team, it's going to an Eastern Conference team. Vancouver doesn't want to play J T. Miller six, seven, eight times on the Calgary Flames next year. Like It's not happening. Now Calgary's not making a move. They got Tyler Tafoli already. But right, the, but I think I think that this deal actually. Pittsburgh would say no to a deal like this. One, Jim Rutherford is not make is not there to make those crazy deals anymore. A first, a fourth, a player and a prospect for J.T. Miller. Yes, he's under contract next year, but Pittsburgh already has cap issues right now. And they are going to struggle to re-sign Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. And there's already worries about that. Maybe this is just an all-in deal. And that's why I could see it happening. But I think Pittsburgh is is one, a very good team right now. They've got really good players in their top six. Like Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, Crosby Malkin. But like, it would be, it'd be an interesting move. It would be a deal that Pittsburgh would pay a lot. But they get the guy they want. They make a really good run this year. Figure it out next year. Vancouver creates cap to re-sign Besser. They have a roster player in Kapanen. They get an extra first and fourth and a defensive prospect, which is what Vancouver is apparently looking for. So I don't think that deal gets done. I could be very wrong. We could be here in a couple of weeks and that exact deal gets done. Who knows? The third one. I'm going to try and speed these up a little bit. New York Rangers. And the Columbus Blue Jackets involved in this one. The Rangers receive Patrick Lyonnais and the Blue Jackets received a first. Niels Lundqvist and Vitali Kravtsov. Now, all four people on this say the Blue Jackets say no. Why? Because Patrick Lyonnais is kind of working out and... Columbus for the life of them do not want to keep losing superstar players and they would like to lock up Patrick Laine for a long time I think Patrick Line is starting to like it there I think Boo Jenner's a great captain they've got Oliver Bjorkstrand they've got some pieces that work there uh, defensive player Adam Boakfist they've got Liam Foodie. like it's a good I really like it now also general manager Jarl Kekalainen shut down the rumors of Laine moving he's only 23 we gotta remember the dude's 23 his qualifying offer this year would be seven point five million dollars. They've got guys like Zach Rowenski. They will pay additional money to keep players. I don't think that, regardless of what the offers are, I think that's not the player that moves for Columbus. If they move, I think if anything, they trade a guy like Jonas Corpusalo. I think they trade a Max Domi. Now they don't get the return, but. They could get a second and a pick for or a second and a player for Domi, maybe. But this is I just this is not a deal that I think gets made. I don't think the Rangers are going to go after a guy like Patrick. And I think the Rangers are all in on JT Miller or a guy like Connor Garland or a Besser. Apparently, all three players have been asked about. But that's the kind of player the Rangers are going for. Chris Jury took over this offseason and he made it clear he wants physical, tough Playoff type players like a Barclay Gujaro and a Ryan Reeves. They've already got goal scorers like Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zabinajad. I, 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 this is not a deal that I see working. It's not a hypothetical. They pay. The, Columbus isn't taking that deal. They've already gotten their assets and their picks and whatnot. They're not trading away another young potential superstar. 35, 40 plus goal scorer who could be there for a very long time. Fourth deal. The Colorado Avalanche and the San Jose Sharks here. Thomas Hurdle goes to the Avalanche at 50% salary retained. And in return, a first, a third-round pick, Tyson Yost, Dylan Sakura, and Justin Barron. Two reasons why I think this could legitimately work out. One, Colorado has the cap space to re-sign Hurdle after this season. Two, They've got the necessary pieces to move in order for it to get done. And three, the Avs are kind of all in. Nathan McKinnon's only got, what, a year or two left on his extremely team-friendly deal, like $6.2 million. They've re-signed guys like Landis Cog and Randham. But Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, and Darcy Kemper are all UFAs. Them going all in this season makes sense. The Sharks get a boatload in return. Multiple picks. Multiple young players. Tyson Jost, who, who just seems like a shark to me. He'd be a great fit there in San Jose. They've still got Couture, and they've got now a few picks. And you know that that they are going to into a rebuild, and they want good young talent to build around. It makes a lot of sense. The only reason why I don't think this deal happens... I don't think... San Jose wants to trade in conference. I don't think they want to trade him to another Western Conference team and have to play Thomas Hurdle multiple times a season as he thrives playing with a Nathan McKinnon or a cadre this season if they find a way to extend him or both. Now, maybe the deal is just too good that San Jose can't say no. And that's why I think, you know, ultimately, this could be a a deal that gets done the Avalanche have to go all in. They've got to win a cup. Even if they go all in and they manipulate and they they go after the one cup and they win it. Then you can say goodbye to Andre Burakovsky and Darcy Kemper and resign Nazem Kadri and resign Thomas Hurdle and find a goaltender and find another winger. They've also got a lot of really good young prospects that they could bring up and play on their immediate roster, but I think That's a deal that could potentially get done. The only reason I see how it couldn't... is San Jose doesn't want him going to another Western Conference team. And the final deal here... is between the Chicago Blackhawks... and the Washington Capitals. Yes. Marc-Andre Fleury at 50% retained going one way. A conditional second-round pick becomes a first... if the Capitals reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Ilya Samsonov... Daniel Sprong and Matt Irwin. Why it works? Uh, Flurry in Washington makes sense. It would make sense. They really like they they don't buy fully Samsonov yet, and they're kind of going back and forth between him and Vitek Vanacek. Washington really wants that bona fide stable, legitimate starting goaltender. They're not they're not going to vary from in the postseason. If he has a bad game, he's going right back in net. And the return, Chicago gets a goaltender to build around a couple of nice young pieces and a draft pick. Why it's not going to happen. Flurry ain't going to Washington. He has made it clear he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere near Washington. Says he's, he's too embedded with... The, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and that just he's not he's not doing it. And I I get it. I understand it. I find it hilarious that that's the case. Um, you know, I, I cap to and I also don't think that Washington's going to trade Ilya Samsonov. I really don't. You don't want to trade away. Goaltenders take a little bit longer to develop. So for Ilya Samsonov. He is a yacht, not yet established, but has shown signs of elite play he's 25 goaltenders tend to hit at 25 26 27 so he's 6 3 200 pounds he's a former first round pick we've seen teams give up on goaltenders that go on to be stars in this league take the flyers and sergey bobrovsky right goes to columbus Wins a Vezna or two, goes to the playoffs, is now in Florida. He's doing great. He's making a lot of money, but he's doing great. You don't want to give up on a young goaltender and then watch him pop in another market. I think Washington, you can go get an established guy, but if they already traded back for Vitek Vanacek from Seattle because they liked him so much. They selected Seattle selected Vitek Vanacek in the expansion draft. Then Washington traded a second round pick right back to him to get him back. They're like, no, 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 We don't trust Samson off yet. Give us Vanacek. We will give you a second. But now it's like, eh, we don't really want to trade Samson off because then if he goes somewhere and he pops, then we look like idiots because they have done this already with players. Philip Forsberg in Nashville, who is a stud. They also did the same thing not this season but with Philip Grubauer they traded him he then went to the avalanche he was in the vesna conversation he should have stayed there but they wish they probably could have had him uh they had varlamov for a bit he also weirdly went to colorado and then he went to the islanders made a couple really deep runs with them they have a not so great track record of take of letting go of goaltenders too early and watching them be moderately successful in other markets. That's the last thing you want. So I don't think that deal gets done, but I think Washington is looking to address it and maybe find a different player of that value. Uh, Also want to give a, a quick shout out to Nick Schmaltz of the Arizona coyotes. He, uh, seven points in Arizona, Record on Saturday as they beat the Ottawa centers. I think it was like seven, four, seven, five or something like that. Um, there's not been a whole lot of good coming out of Arizona. So I want to end the show, which is a big congrats to him. He is a good young player. They got him from the Chicago Blackhawks and, The guy has been a consummate professional. He works hard. He's a hard. He's a really good player, I think. And uh, seven points to have that record is pretty special. So congratulations to him. Uh, That does it for the show today. Thank you for listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram and Twitter, SD Hockey Podcast. We will see if trades happen. We will see what rumors happen. We will see where teams sit a week from now in the standings. Enjoy the week. Stay safe. We got a we got spring coming up in a few weeks as well. I'm really excited about that and enjoy. Until then, that's a wrap.